What an amazing moment it is in the history of St. Peter's that we have Peggy Cromwell as our new associate priest. Yesterday was a beautiful service. An applause again. Yesterday was a beautiful service. The people of St. Peter's turned out in great force, as they always do, as you always do. And the bishop had some very good words to say. And something that struck with me was when he, when he defined what a priest does. And he said a priest's job is essentially relational. It's essentially about creating the relationship of people with God or people with each other. And I think we are incredibly blessed in Peggy to have one of the strongest relational people I've ever met. So I think we are well positioned within the diocese and, and within the entire Episcopal Church. So thanks again for doing this. And you know, you do it like old hand, like nothing's. So knowing that Peggy was going to celebrate today, I offered to take on the heavy lifting of doing the sermon. And it's actually kind of an easy day for me, so. Um, but when I saw today's scriptures, you know, I saw First Timothy and the love of money is the root of all evil. And I saw the rich man and Lazarus, and I'm like, great, a stewardship sermon. <laughs> How many of you all thought that? Like, oh, here we go, here we go, stewardship time. So, well, I got some feedback from last week that while people like the food for the poor presentation, they felt like the ask was a little heavy. And I think that was true. Uh, and then also I thought, I don't want to go back to that same well this week. So you guys know we're in stewardship, enough said. But as I dug into the scripture, I realized a stewardship sermon actually doesn't do it justice. Because there's so much at work in this, in this relatively short gospel reading. Now we have what I think are as five themes that are really powerful to, and important for our belief. There is the notion of rich and poor and income inequality, which is the heart of the gospels. But there's also this idea of seeing and not being seen. I'll come back to that in a minute. There's the afterlife and a different perspective on that. And then there's resurrection and repentance. I mean, that's pretty much our faith right there. That's everything that Jesus spoke about that is Moses and the prophets. And so it's worth going into each one of those in a little bit of detail because I think it, it has words, each of those has implications for us as we stand here today. So, starting with rich and poor, and while it could be a stewardship sermon, it could also be a sermon on income inequality and the tremendous disparity that we see in this country, that we see around the world, that is kind of getting at the root of all that we know is our way of life. It's getting at the root of what's happening at the border. It's getting at the root of what's happening in the Amazon, in Honduras. I mean, income inequality is a serious issue. And I think as we stand here today, we ask ourselves, how are we, like the rich man, enjoying the sumptuous feast and the fine linens and the air conditioning and this beautiful structure and not knowing what suffering is happening out there? And that gets to the second point, that gets to seeing, because I think that's at the heart of this reading. See, the, the sin of the rich man is not that he does bad things to Lazarus, it's that he doesn't see him. He doesn't even know he exists. And neither do the townspeople. Because you see, where Lazarus was outside the gate, that's where the public forum takes place. That's where, that's where public policy is discussed. The marketplace happens. That's where his fellow city folk would see him. And apparently, they don't see him. 
either. So in a way, Lazarus sitting outside the gate is a political statement in itself, that his country folk, his city folk, and the rich man don't see in opposition to Moses and the prophets. And so I think we ask ourselves, where are we not seeing things? Last January, there was a survey done here in Faulkner County, as it's done every year, for the number of homeless. And in January, there were 960 homeless people here in, in Faulkner County, which struck me as a high number for what, is, what I still see as a relatively affluent place. And I found myself wondering, well, where are these people? How do we see them? And on a tip, I went at closing time on Monday to Faulkner County Library over on Prince Street because I had been told that they gathered there. And I drove around and then I got out and walked around and I saw some nothing out of the ordinary. There was a woman in sort of an old beat-up truck who was fanning herself with a fan made of a paper plate. There were two gentlemen in aluminum chairs who were playing cards under a tree who looked like yeah, they could be homeless. There was, there was a sleeping bag on a park bench that was evidence of maybe someone was going to sleep there later. But then I thought about it. They could easily have just been people who were trying to cool off at the end of another hot day, to be in the shade, to be away from maybe a tough work day. You see, unlike Lazarus, the homeless in our society carry with them shame. And... You know, whether it's a distorted version of the prosperity gospel or whether it's a sense that you know, we look down upon those people who aren't able to make it on their own or they look down upon themselves and they want to disappear. We don't have Lazarus in the public square. You know, and this notion of not seeing, I think, goes both ways because all of us have had moments in our lives when we've not been seen, whether it's because we're too old or too young whether it's because we're female or male, because we're rich, or maybe we don't have good stuff. No, I would argue that that which makes us most interesting and most unique might be the thing that we don't get seen for. So we know what it's like not to be seen. And I think in a minute I want to come back to an exercise in seeing, and I want, I want us to think about how this empathy for what it's like to not be seen can be used. The afterlife is another theme that comes up in this. And it's interesting to sort of just dive in it for a second because unlike our view of heaven and hell, this is the notion that all souls, when they die, go to Hades. And it's the only time in the gospel that Hades is mentioned. So it's really interesting that it comes up there. Uh, and, and that Jesus talks about it in specific. And while they're in the same place, they are separated by a great distance, and the rich man is in agony. And the poor man, Lazarus, is with Abraham. And I imagine him clutched in the bosom of Abraham, which I think is a beautiful image. After all the years of suffering, all the sores have been healed, and now Abraham is with him. So we've talked about rich and poor talked about seeing, we've talked about the afterlife. The last two themes are resurrection and repentance, and they, they sort of come together. And I think this is where this gets really interesting, both to the listeners of the gospel when Jesus is saying it, to the listeners of Luke, and to us today. And it's all captured in this notion of resurrection. And what Jesus says is, even the resurrection 
won't get people to believe if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, if they don't follow the gospel. So we find ourselves, so this is going to be important. At this point, the Pharisees are who Jesus is talking to. And the Pharisees may have been listening. Uh, They are sort of the biblical literalist of the time. And Jesus calls them to account because they're not following the Moses and the prophets. They're not following the letter of the law. They're a little too comfortable with the Roman Empire. They're a little too comfortable with the good things of life. They're a little too comfortable looking at inequality. So all the themes that we've mentioned. And so, but this mention of resurrection is going to cut straight to them because that's central to their belief. And then the readers of Luke are going to hear resurrection. They're going to hear about resurrection and repentance. They're going to see resurrection as a call for hope, as a call to stay the course. Because think about it. It's about the late first century, early second century when they're hearing this. And things look, they look kind of difficult. They look kind of dour because we find that uh, Jesus has been gone for 50 to 70 years. Stuff's not getting better. The Roman Empire is as strong as ever. The inequalities that existed during Jesus' time are just as bad, if not worse. And to top it, we now have, they now have issues with their Jewish counterparts. So things are looking hard for the listeners of Luke. And I think this message from Jesus to them would be, stay the course, don't give up. And it's all captured in resurrection. And as we listen to this today, I still think resurrection is what we're meant to hear. Because we are a resurrection people. Without the resurrection, what do we have? Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. I like to say in our funeral rites that we're a resurrection people because that's, that's what makes us different. And I think the Episcopal Church especially, we take that to heart. So what is that message of resurrection for us today? It is to continue the course, stay the course. Things may look dark. Things also may look comfortable. We have air conditioning. Don't trust either one of those. Stay the course. Trust in the resurrection. So what do we do as a result of this? Because, you know, the essence of every sermon has got to be, you know, okay, what do you want me to do? And, and I think especially for St. Peter's, as Brett Hardison told us last week, we're a community of Marthas. We like to do stuff. So we do like to do stuff. And so I got a couple of suggestions based on today's reading. One is Moses and the Prophets. Not just Moses and the Prophets, it's the Gospels. It's, it's study of the Scripture. Stay close to the Scripture. It's still God's living Word that is revealing itself to us today. And if you're particularly interested in the Prophets, our Wednesday afternoon Bible study class is going to dive into Hosea and Amos on 4.30s on Wednesday starting this week. And if you've read deeply into either one of those, you know there are a lot of problematic verses, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So, so that's on Wednesdays. But I've got another idea, and, and there's been something unique happening within our food pantry over the last couple of months. After many years, several years of decline of participation, suddenly it's turned around, and we're seeing 70, 75, 80 people on the first Saturday of the month, and then we see them throughout the month where we're serving maybe as many as 100 to 120 people, which is a significant increase from the past. And part of that may be because we have better stuff. We're not doing paper supplies. Uh, we're doing, you know, we have better food. There's some other good stuff going on there. But I also, a couple of, a couple of months ago, uh, Christy and Peggy 
did a survey of our participants, and those who answered pointed to something that really struck me, and it was when we asked them, what's unique about your experience with St. Peter's? And they said, you know, I walk in here and I don't feel like anyone's judging me. I feel like that I'm appreciated for who I am. I feel like I'm seen. So this, Sunday, this Saturday, we are having the first of the month, October 5th, we'll have a regular food pantry, but we're doing something special, which is also we're handing out clothes, and I know many of you have donated clothes for this, the clothing drive. Uh, so we expect a bigger number than usual. So in an exercise in seeing, I, I encourage you to come here. Come here between 8 and noon on Saturday and help out, maybe hold a door open or help people carry some of their clothes or food out to their car. Just serve coffee. Sit down and talk to them. Just appreciate them for who they are. Just see them. Really see them. And I think when you look in their eyes, you just may see Lazarus in Abraham's arms when they smile back at you. Amen.